and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. Wow, we're all here this week. This is so great. Yay. Well, to be fair, we were all here to watch the movie last week. It's just a matter of, you know, Doug. It's it's totally a matter of Doug. It's always a matter of Doug. Isn't it, What's though? the matter with Doug? What's the matter with Our Doug? Our new podcast, okay. right after Tea with Doug G. Well, the matter with Doug this week is that he's very emotional because we all just watched a movie that was a huge emotional roller coaster. Well, to be fair, that's not the only reason I'm emotional. Well, but you know, great segue. Thank I you. respect I respect the effort. I'm getting better at these. Yeah. Um, hey, Doug, what did we watch this week? I was about to say, I take it that's my that's my cue. All right, that so is your this cue. This week we're watching the 2019 really smash hit Jojo Rabbit, um, directed by Taika Waititi. Nope. Wait, that's right. YTT. 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 Um, Come on, Doug. We literally pulled up a YouTube video of him saying it to make sure that we did not butcher it in the podcast. What's wrong with Doug Gooden? (laughs) What's the deal? Where to start? All right. Um, So this movie uh, came out in 2019, had a budget of $14 million, uh, gross uh, USA, gross was 33. Uh, 0.3 million and uh, worldwide gross was 90.3 million so pretty pretty successful that was moderately Uh, successful yeah uh won one oscar for best adapted screenplay because it's a book right uh yes it was based on a book that i do not remember the name of um but uh but yeah so it won best adapted screenplay also was nominated for best performance by an actress in a supporting role best achievement in costume design which personally i think it should have won i don't know what won but i and i'm too lazy to look it up um and of course it was nominated for best motion picture of the year um so yeah all right real quick this is a big cast so i'm just gonna rattle off some of them real quick uh roman griffin davis leads us out as jojo thomason mckenzie as Elsa, Scarlett Johansson as Rosie, Taika Waititi as Adolf Hitler, um, yeah, uh, Sam Rockwell as Captain Kleisendorf, Kleisendorf, Captain K, Captain K, and then Rebel Wilson in the one role that I've ever seen her in that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm down with this, yeah, honestly, and Alfie Allen of Game of Thrones fame, well, yeah, but and also Stephen Merchant, Stephen Merchant, who is a nine foot tall, beautiful man, um, who's all gangly and like haunting in his existence. <laughs> Unrelated, uh, I found out uh, what won the uh, best costume design for twenty nineteen is Little Women. Nice, did not see it. Same, bruh. I know Elijah did. I, I, I saw it. So did Tristan. I know that this side of the room did not see it while that side of the room did. Loves it. That's half of the people. For uh, those of y'all who aren't watching, uh, Doug just gestured to uh, me and himself uh, when he said this half, and then to Elijah and Tristan when he said that half. To oh. put it another way, there's two kinds of people in this world. Those who love the Little Women movie and those who haven't seen it. And we here at Setting the Scheme represent both of those groups accurately. There you go. Um, How did this movie get reviewed, Doug? Uh, oh, that was the thing I forgot to do. Frick. <laughs> Everybody dang, dang, it. diggity, dang, dang. Everybody liked this movie. Everybody dug it. Uh, all the... my friends texted me and said, Tristan, why haven't you seen this movie? You would love it. And <laughs> we... I said, I don't know. 
but I will. And we, then I finally did. Respect yeah. to the stall for me, boys. Um, so this movie has a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't actually think that's certified fresh. I think it's just fresh. Um, it could be oh, no, it is certified fresh. Uh, 93% on Google and 58% on Metacritic. What was IMDb again? 7.9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this movie was very interesting in that there were a lot of people who did not like it. I wonder if that has to do with the fact that Adolf Hitler is a main character in it. Maybe. I don't want to meet those people that didn't like this movie. I'll be frank. Does that mean I can be Tristan? (laughs) Sorry, I had... I hate everything. All the jokes we've made tonight, and that's the one that made it onto the podcast. So I was the only one who had seen this movie before, right? Weird. That is correct. We've just kind of gotten into a really weird streak. Like, what has happened? We do a relaunch of this podcast, and then suddenly you've seen movies? The frick? (laughs) I mean, that's because we all suggested, like, five movies when we uh, were trying to figure out a schedule, and I think most of the movies that I picked were ones that I had seen that y'all hadn't. So you're telling and me... And this was one of the ones that so I So you're picked. telling me when we plan out our podcast and get things that we're all genuinely interested in, we get a better, more rounded out schedule than if we just do it by the seat of our pants. Wow, isn't that crazy? And to think we did 100 episodes <laughs> the other way. So Ben, what? how would you describe your experience with the film? Uh, so I watched this film for the first time... Um, I want to say it was after the Oscars. I was just at home one night. I was like, you know what? I never watched this, but I really wanted to. So I watched it. I laughed. I cried. You peed. He danced a little. I danced a little. Uh, I peed a little. Uh, (laughs) Peed a little. Uh, I shit a little bit, too. Uh, I loved this movie as soon as I saw it. Um, And honestly, I forgot how much I enjoyed it until I sat down and rewatched it again. And then laughed and cried and all of that again so i know that y'all had not seen the movie before but what were y'all's expectations coming into it so i i'll go on and say the only thing i knew that i knew that i knew taika what taika waititi from i'm just gonna call him taika the only thing that i knew taika from was from uh thor ragnarok um which I loved. I thought it was a great movie. Did you see Mandalorian? Uh, no. He did, he did one We've been through this. I've not right, watched Mandalorian. We're going through it again, I guess. Um, uh, but, uh, but anyway, so, like, I mean, I genuinely did not know what to think of it, what to be expecting of it. I had seen the, like, ending dance scene. That was it that I had seen. And I saw the trailer where he, and, where Jojo and Adolf are running through the are running through the forest. That was it. So I, I'm pretty sure I had zero expectations coming into it. I figured I would like it, but I just didn't know. Well, you know, I got Wes Anderson vibes from this movie. That like it was very stylistic, um, in that like in that sort of way. But I mean, I had every everyone I knew seemed like who, everyone who had seen this movie who thought I would like it was barking up my tree saying, uh, "It's time to watch this movie, Tristan. Where are you at?" Yeah. Um, and Tristan and I have a mutual friend that we mentioned on the last podcast oh, yeah. that tells us like every time we talk to him, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? You're going to love it. 
Shout out to Seth. Yeah. And did y'all love it? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, yep. I'm sorry, real quick. I just, I just need to uh, give, give, paint a picture for our listeners because the look of defeat that Elijah Walls just had in his face when he was like, yeah, we did. He was like, ah, dang it. I thought we would prove him wrong, but no, we didn't. We failed. <laughs> I ain't here to prove nothing. I'll, I'll put that out there on the table so everyone knows. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's it. That's that's what how we felt about this movie. We laughed. We cried. All those things, Ben. That's right. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's our podcast for today. Okay. Well, it's not. Uh, but uh, but getting into uh, the specifics of this. Game, I thought it was funny, Tristan. I, I guess I can't tell jokes. I'm not allowed. I thought it was funny. I, You 100% are not allowed to tell jokes. All right. Um, but uh, but going into like the meat of this movie, uh, one of the best things I think that this movie contributes is quality acting. Word. Um, oh my gosh, it's so so good. Um, hear me out. Like I know that Scarlett Johansson is a great actress. I do. But every time I see her in something that's really, really, really good, I think about the large portion of the population who only knows her from Marvel movies, and I weep for them because I'm like, you don't even know because they give her nothing in those movies. She was in two absolutely amazing movies in 2019. She was nominated for the same Neither of them were Avengers. Yeah, she was nominated for the same Oscar for two movies. Right. Which is very rare. She didn't win any, either of them. Which is really Lauren disappointing. Dern. Freaking Laura Dern. I mean, to be fair, Laura Dern also did an amazing job in that movie. And I disagree that the Marvel movies give her nothing. The one that she's introduced in, yeah, that gave her nothing. But after that, it gets better. I mean, you're not wrong. But I think her acting in non-Marvel movies is on a completely different level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how can you judge somebody from from just playing a superhero? You know, it's like that's a that's a very particular kind of role, right? And I, I think more so what Doug is saying is that people who only know her from her stuff in Marvel are really missing out on the other stuff that she's done, such yeah. as this, such as Marriage Story. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Okay, real quick. Love Sam uh, Rockwell. So this is the first time that I've been on a podcast that we've done where I get to talk about Sam Rockwell. So let me just level with y'all. Ju- I think for just this is the second. first movie we've ever talked about that has. Sam no, it's not Galaxy Quest. Oh. Um, yep. Okay, that was a good right. one. All right, ready? Here we go. Sam Rockwell is one of the greatest actors living today and working today. Even better I, than Daniel Day Lewis. Um, he. Daniel Day-Lewis wishes he could breathe the same air as Sam Rockwell. Well, have I got some news for you, Doug? Listen, listen to me. Shut air. up. You're trying to make jokes. I'm trying to speak facts. Sam Rockwell has got so much raw acting ability and so much talent, such, a, such an innate ability to truly become whatever character he is playing it is haunting to watch that man work i literally love every single second he is on screen for any movie he is doing whether it be galaxy quest and he gets to play a fool green mile where he gets to terrify people uh 
matchstick men, which we're talking about next week, where I can't even tell you what he does because I don't want to give it away. Oh my gosh, I freaking love Sam Rockwell. Hey Doug, do you like Sam Rockwell? Shut up, I love him. Did you speaking of Marvel movies, did you like him in Iron Man? You know, he was in the same movie where Scarlett Johansson. We don't talk about it. Because they gave him nothing. Okay, I actually kind of do like him in that movie. I do too. Those are going to maintain my point. Yeah, he's annoying and it like gets old after a while, but I still kind of like him in that movie. I also kind of like him in that movie because he's Sam Rockwell, but also I hate him in that movie because they do nothing with him. Well, And that's the only movie that has Sam Rockwell with in it. How dare you? How dare you give me the possibility of Sam Rockwell in multi- in a multi-picture deal, and you give me, like, 20 minutes in one movie. Like, what What the What the frick is wrong with you? Like, go die in a hole. No, tell you what. Okay, you, studio executive. Studio executive who is sitting in this room watching uh, yes, us record yes, this hello, podcast. That's me. Yes, We know you, you're listening, studio yes, you, executive. I am, I'm right, I'm right here. What, what is it? Yeah. You know what? The next time you have the opportunity to put Sam Rockwell, Samuel Rockwell I'm familiar, I'm familiar, yes into multiple pictures of one franchise and you don't do it, do you know what I want you to do? I I haven't slightest one. Go die in a hole. Look, I'll have Barbara schedule that uh, later. You know who else puts in a pretty interesting performance in this film? The kids. The director. Oh, Oh, the kids too. (laughs) All right, kids, let's figure out what point we're going to go to next. (laughs) I mean, in my defense, my note says uh, child acting, but I mean, we can talk about Taika. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to point out that Taika plays imaginary friend Hitler in this movie. That's right, Taika Waititi, a Jewish man. Yeah, it is unlike anything I've ever witnessed. And nine times out of ten, it's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I laughed out loud many times. That's, I mean, he explicitly said that he did absolutely zero research on Adolf Hitler because frankly he didn't deserve it he was a little That's bit more totally colorful not what he said but i know <laughs> that is why not, he can't say what he said i cannot repeat what he said oh. on this podcast he said that he did not do any research on hitler because he is a bleepity bleep mm. that's wow. that's what i've always heard about hitler actually very descriptive yeah. Now we all know. Just go look up the IMDb trivia. It's there. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. I know that there are some kids listening to this. Yeah. Uh, next time you... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a kid. All right. All I'm right. Small boy. child who's watching We're us record this podcast. <laughs> who's watching us record this podcast. Yep. Small child. Yes. The next time... <laughs> you, you have to do school reports and book reports for school, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. The next time you have to do a book report on... Adolf Hitler. Hate him. Yep. As you should, as everyone should. I'm an American. What I want you to do is I want you to just write down on your paper, I did no research on Adolf Hitler because <laughs> he is a, and you can go look up exactly what Mr. Whitey says. He's a bleepity bleepity bleep. He's a bleepity bleep. But I'll write the real thing on my school paper. But, Good, but as you should. But make sure you cite Taika Waititi in MLA format. Yes, sir. Or if you are a history major, you're going to want to go with Chicago standard. I prefer Chicago. <laughs> or if we're in college, you just do it in APA for no reason whatsoever. Oh, uh, okay. You also have the option of starting a podcast under the premise of talking about movies and then instead talking about crap like this. Oh, gosh. Should I leave, guys? Heck. 
where our conversation just evolves into is, this. Uh, All right, now, small child who 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 oh, every yeah. week is here to watch us record this yes. podcast. Finally, go my on time. and seclude yourself into the quiet corner for the remainder of the of the podcast. Off I go. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben, and I'm here to hit you up with some announcements. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and are now getting into the holiday spirit. In the meantime, you should take some more time and keep listening to us, because I know that's why you're here. So I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. It really does mean the world to us. And I have great news. There are other ways you can show your support. But the easiest way is to just keep on doing what you're doing. You know, keep listening to us. Keep sharing us with your friends because, honestly, that's what I want for Christmas is someone to share a new podcast with me. So if you have a podcast that you want me to check out, let me know. Now, another great way you can support us is by checking out our merch store. Uh, we've got some stickers. We've got some buttons. Uh, you can check all that out at vitermedia.com slash merch. Uh, you can also check us out on Patreon. We've got some cool behind-the-scenes stuff. We've got uh, early access episodes, all sorts of cool stuff. If there's some other stuff there that you want to see, let us know. Now, if you want to support a specific show, what you can do, you can just go onto the show page for whatever it is that you're listening to. Leave us a rating and review, because not only will that help us, it will also help other people find us, which is really cool. Now, that's all I've got for you this week. Uh, be sure to go out and have yourself an absolutely amazing week, and keep an eye out for other stuff that we're doing. Now, let's get back to the show. So child acting. Yes, the kids in this movie are freaking amazing. I'm a big fan. Yeah, they were really good. Um, I don't remember the name of the kid who plays Jojo. Roman, Roman Griffin? Roman Griffin, I believe. Albendorf. That's not true. Is he British? He oh. is. Okay, well, I guess he is. Like, that kid can't be more than, like, 10 or 11 years old. Roman Griffin Davis. Uh, he's 13. Okay. What so he would have been about 10 or 11 when they filmed this. Yeah. That kid can act. Yeah. He's so good. Which is so nice, because a lot of times we get these movies with child actors, and they're not very good. Like Osmosis Jones. Like Osmosis Jones. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, when Taika directs a movie, he doesn't give like a lot of feedback to his actors. Or a lot of prompting. Right. He just kind of lets them go. It's profound, but it works. Because, honestly, he turns in one of the best performances of the movie. Um, yeah, I think so. Like, watching his reaction when he finds uh, Rosie at the gallows, oh my gosh, I cry every single time. That was heavy. That was really heavy. Right. Um, Say, so there's a reason I told you to put your phone down. Oh, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I, I picked the wrong time to look at my phone yeah. for sure. Um, thanks for having my back, dog. Uh, that not only was, I just wanted real quick, that scene, uh, it was very well acted and also very well directed. I mean, Taika takes you on a trip in that scene. Whew. I was not ready. Yeah. Cause you get this like nice music that's playing. You fall on this butterfly. Yeah. Then you're at the ground and, like, and you, you see, see Jojo shoes. go down and then he stands up and you've got the shoes. Oh my gosh. It's very telling that a movie with 
so many like so much horrific subject matter um and such uh i'm gonna say violent imagery um because i can't think of a better way to put it um it's very it's very interesting the fact that the most haunting image and the most deeply uh visceral image that the movie has is one where they don't even have to show you the whole picture. Yeah. See what I really like about that. Uh, there's a quote from Taika about that scene that's saying that, that um, like seeing the face of your loved one who has passed is such an intimate uh, moment that we as the audience don't deserve that. Wow. What's really cool though, uh, something that I noticed in my second viewing of this uh, when we see Jojo turn and see Rosie's feet, that's not the first time we see that in the movie. Uh, in their last scene together, like where they're actually like talking with each other, uh, you've got Rosie up on like this little ledge thing where she's walking next to Jojo. Uh, it's right after she's told him about like what love is like, and she's um, basically saying like, you know, why are um, it's after she's referred to him as a little shitler, and um, it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Um, but like you get a scene where, um, like it's almost like the exact same thing. Like Jojo turns and sees his mom's feet. Yeah. And I saw that last night and I just started bawling cause I was yeah. like, holy crap, they did that. And you know, I said before we started recording that this is not a subtle movie. And I stand by that. Right. But there are moments like that where there is a a subtlety and a precision with things like that. And something that you only get rewatching it. I can't wait to rewatch this movie. Because I me too. I did not pick up on that the first time I watched it. There's a moment where he backs off for a second and sees her shoes untied and tries to tie it. That is what got me. That's what got me starting to to cry. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really good. Um the other moment that uh would have made me feel things if I had emotions was uh, at the end, speaking of, of Samuel Rockwell, when he ends up saving JoJo's life in that in that uh, yeah. scene at the end. Whoo, man, that was good. Yeah, that was good. That scene, I, I, I figured where it was going, but it, it even though it went where I thought it would, it exceeded my expectations. It was so good, the way they did that. I will say with Captain K, that actually is one thing that's a little bit more subtle. Um, I guess, or more nuanced, like his kind of uh, subtle. Um, the fact that there's more to him than just being in the SS or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like he is a Nazi, but in name only. He's yeah. There's something underneath the surface with him. That's like, he doesn't actually really buy all the right. garbage that he's been fed. And, you know, there's something in him that thinks this is wrong. <laughs> I, I think I think with the entire character of really just all the characters in this movie, uh, and by all I of course mean uh, Rosie, Rosie, Captain K, uh, JoJo, and probably crap. What's his friend's name? Yorkie. 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 Yeah, I love the fact that you get to see sort of like the stages of the stages of complacency with them or like the stages of like acceptance for like, for what they're being yes, told yes. because 
because what's funny is that they all slowly, like, they all have their arcs, and they all have their trajectory to, like, not, not be, like, submissive or not be, uh, not be complacent in the world anymore, but you get to see them at very different stages because you see, you find Rosie at the beginning of the movie, she's already kind of, she's already had time to realize what's wrong, and she's, from the moment we see her at the beginning, we see someone who's like, I'm not fight to stop this, and we see what the ending is for her. Captain K, on the other hand, I think we start with someone who's questioning we start with someone who's questioning because even in that first scene, you know, you, it's very, it's very subtle and it's not telegraphed or it's not like, uh, communicated that, that abruptly, but you get just the slightest hint of disdain yeah. for the third Reich when he's just like, and they, he said something to, well, he was dishonored. He basically. was dishonored. He was basically dishonorably discharged, yeah. uh, from, from combat and he's like, you know, it's fine, it's fine, it's not, but it's fine, um, and that sets his trajectory up. And then you get Yorkie, who views the child soldier life as literally just something that's like fun to do. He hasn't buy into yeah. it's just something to do. And by the end, like I love the scene of him and Jojo walking through the debris, and and, and he Jojo- says it's just a bad time to be a Nazi. Yeah, well, actually, I was going earlier. Before that, I was talking about before that, where JoJo says, "You know that that girl I like." Well, I mean, she's 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 a Jew, and Yorkie's just like, dude. He says there are you've got bigger things to worry about. Bigger things to worry about. When she's when he's like, she's basically my girlfriend, but she's a Jew. He's like, well, good for you. You got a girlfriend, <laughs> you know. And yeah. And then you look at Jojo, who, who is in this, and he believes yep. every He's got that blind thing. fanaticism, he's got, which is a phrase that's used in the movie and that I love. He's got, in terms of like the, if we look at this mathematically, friends, we look at the fact that Rosie's, um, Rosie's uh, slope in terms of her character's arc, um, it's mostly a straight line. Uh, it's not exponential. Uh, I forget what the actual term is. Linear? Um, it's a linear. It's a linear plot. I don't know math, but I know terms. Look at you, <laughs> Mr. English Major. It's a linear plot. Yorkie, by and large, I think is a very linear plot. Because, like, he... There's nothing Are you talking about character him. development? Uh, I'm looking at their arcs from, like, where they... Yeah, actually, I'm looking at character development. So, like, if we if we look at their if we look at the trajectory of their arcs, because Yorkie and Rosie are both linear arcs, Captain K and JoJo, on the other hand, are both exponential arcs, where it starts very slow, and then when it turns, oh, it turns. I don't know if I agree with that completely. Like, it turns. I think everyone is on a pretty linear arc. Like, well, I see what you mean, Doug. I mean. Um, Rosie's character doesn't really change. You know, she she is, I mean, she dies the same person she started the movie as. We just learn more about her as exactly, the movie progresses. Yeah. If anything, she just gets a little more bold. She gets a little bolder, yeah. a little more... I don't even think she's getting bolder. Well, I mean... she gets caught. Right, right. That's that's really she what gets happens. caught. But I would I would argue that the only the only reason I say that we see her get bolder is because we openly see her putting 
the anti-Nazi propaganda out. I mean, but, I mean, there's nothing to say that she wasn't already doing that. I mean, she clearly supported the the Free Germany movement. Her That's husband yeah, exactly. actively husband. supported it. Yeah. But, yeah, Doug, I mean, you're saying these other characters, like uh, Captain K, it's like you maybe see a little bit of a change, and then all of a sudden it snowballs. I th- Honestly, I think JoJo is the best example of that. Because for so much of the movie, he is like following with that blind fanaticism, uh, even after meeting Elsa and like starting that relationship. Like it's not really until Rosie dies that his blind fanaticism goes out the window, and he realizes that you know there there's like he realizes that there is more. Like he's finally starting to understand that you know maybe this Nazi lifestyle of thinking that Jews are lesser people isn't right because he's like had that growing relationship with Elsa. Um, and like, he's starting to kind of have more developed feelings for her, but like, I don't think it's till Rosie dies that, um, like his character more take more so takes a turn away from all of that. Yeah. Um, we see him go through a few stages in his antisemitism. He slowly evolves in the movie. Um, from from drawing horrible pictures to actually wanting to protect her and then coming to kind of need her. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of refreshing to see really fleshed out supporting characters, but it wasn't really an ensemble cast. Like everything was surrounding our boy Jojo. Right. You know? So like he was still the main character of the story, but we we had some top-notch like character development going on with other characters and that was really cool to see i do think we should just take a moment because we haven't even talked about her yet uh but uh but elsa um Uh, she's great uh elijah i really liked what you said about um it's relevant to elsa doug's giving me a look yeah it Um, looked like it sounded like you were cutting him off dude well i saw that he was looking something up so i saw my shot and i went for it um I really liked what you said about um, like the characters needing each other and Jojo needing Elsa. I think to an extent, Elsa also needed Jojo because um, like her relationship with Rosie was great, but I mean, it's different like being a kid and having another kid to talk to. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm sure had it been the other way around, if if she had just had a kid to talk to the whole time who was a boy, and then suddenly she had a woman to talk to, you know, I mean obviously it's different. Um, uh, but yeah, and then with with Rosie gone after she dies, she really needs JoJo. And like I think even more so they both need each other. Like you see like right after that scene he comes in and uh like stabs her in the shoulder and then turns around and just falls apart and like she's not mad, she goes over and comforts him. And it's really just a beautiful scene. Yeah. By the way, I, I I just want to point out really quick, uh, I, I would hate if we didn't mention this, the movie is somewhat based on a book called Caging Skies by Christine Lunens or something like that. Um, I, I learned this from the uh, trivia on IMDb. Uh, the book does not include an imaginary Hitler, that was Taika Waititi's introduction, um, but the other characters come from this book. So that may explain kind of why some of the supporting cast is so well fleshed out. Doug, please. <laughs> oh, no, please. By all means. Uh, everyone talk about the topic that I brought well, up. Well, if you insist. <sighs> hey, guys, and- I have something to say. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thomas and McKenzie 
gives such a just the word that just comes to mind whenever I think of this movie is haunting and her performance is just so hauntingly beautiful. Um, I honestly think my favorite scene in the end, well, I think one of my favorite scenes between her and Jojo is after Rosie has died and Jojo walks into the room with the knife and he's slowly walking towards her and it's just a shot of her face as she realizes what's happening and i love the i love the fact and i checked it this time to see if i was right um because jojo goes to stab her in the shoulder and if you notice she, she doesn't try to stop him she doesn't like try to grab him or or stop him from doing that she just like dead eyes him the entire time and it's like it's like she understands it she knows the pain he's going through she's seen people that she loves die and she's seen that turmoil and she knows that like this is what he needs to release to have closure so she lets him do it and he's the one who stops the knife now granted she pulls it out but he's the one who stops the knife. And I, oh my gosh. So, and I think it's more than so just like her pulling out the knife. Like there's also like that physical touch of like her touching his hand to pull it out. Like that human connection. Like um, I personally have not lost a loved one as close as Jojo did, but like <clears throat> I have been through loss and just like that physical touch can mean so much. And especially with someone who he had grown so close to, like it, the whole scene is beautiful. It's so, it's so good. It's so and every single one of their just one on one conversations is phenomenal. I I also love the scene after Stephen Merchant uh, walks in with his group of SS and like they're left alone and she's hiding and she's. She's weeping and, you know, she's weeping and she tells Jojo, like, the reason is that she gave the wrong date for when she was supposedly born. But, like, but like also, if you think about it, like, I mean, that's totally probably not the only reason why she's crying. She, she just had to play like a Nazi. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, she had to play a Nazi, she had to openly, uh... Heil Hitler. Well, she had to Heil Hitler, but, like, she also had to bash her her culture. She had to bash her religion. Like, she had to she had to say, yeah, that's right. We, we came up with this with this book of insults at the Jews and things like that. And I'm just like, oh. And then stand there, uh, when they start going through this stuff about Nathan. Uh... The Jojo had drawn in there. And you find out later Nathan is actually already dead. Right. Yeah, that's heavy. She is so good. Every person in this cast is so good. She's I agree. The cast is, I mean, could not have been better. You couldn't have asked for a better cast in this movie. Uh, so, kind of drawing things to a close a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I think we're presented with a very interesting situation in this film uh you've got rosie who is a free germany sympathizer like she is very much against the reich she is not a nazi 
And then you've got her son, Jojo, who is brought up in the Hitler Jugend um, and is this blind fanatic for Nazism. So we've got a, a protagonist who's a 10 year old boy being indoctrinated right. into some That's it, yeah. anti Semitism, world domination, uh, toxic nationalism, just all kinds of mess going on, and he's 10 years old. How much blind fanaticism is it compared to something of like an indoctrination, like you said? Like, I, I those are similar ideas, but they're I not definitely think that's the that's the argument that the audiences met with. I think that's what we're supposed to figure out is how much of this is just is just him being a blind fanatic of it, and how much of it is it, and how much of it is. I don't want to, this does not sum up what I'm trying to say, but it's the only way I can put it. Uh, being a victim of circumstance, of like being a blonde haired blue eyed boy growing up in in Nazi Germany. Yeah, that's that's interesting because it's like um, just as just as the Jews in that society didn't choose to be born into a society that would oppress them and seek to exterminate them. Um, it's not like he chose the this life. Now, if he had to choose between the two, I'm sure he would pick the more comfortable one. But I, but like, like what you're saying is, he was born into this. He was born into this privilege to be Hitler Youth, to be on the on the receiving end of of all that the Third Reich wanted to accomplish. Born into a country where you were told... I'm going to get to you in just a second, Tristan. Born into a country, into a culture where you were told, this man who is leading us, he's not just another another chancellor. He's not just another leader. This man will make Germany the greatest nation in all of the world. I mean, it's a... It's this child who's being fed this day in, day out. Everything he does, it's all with the mindset of this is for the glory of the of the Reich of Hitler, and yeah, well, go ahead. and like even despite Rosie trying to um, like actively get him away from that, like uh, I know at one point she talks with Elsa during the movie, like the reason that like she doesn't tell him about Elsa is that like he's so like invested like he's so into it that i mean it would put all of them in danger it goes deeper than that though i mean you have you have to look at jojo's as a character like he's a 10 year old boy he's being raised by a, a single mother essentially maybe not his whole life but for some formative years um especially as he gets into this you know hitler youth type of deal so he, you know, and then you mentioned, you know, Hitler is like this savior figure to, or like, at least that's what the propaganda says. Um, and he's 10, he's impressionable. Like he's just, he, he looks at it and he says, that's it. That's that, you know, that's right. That That's all I know. Also, that's all I know. But even deeper, like he's looking for something. He has an imaginary friend, which is Adolf Hitler. <laughs> So like he he I mean he has a friend, he has Yorkie, um, but he still needs this sort of validation, whether it's validation for what he believes in, 
or if he just needs a friend to bounce his thoughts off of like he he has this imaginary friend which is hitler who keeps coming about um and i i i think like that's just what we get with with this character when he's searching for much more than what he's got he i mean is there any extent to which he can help the fact that he's been indoctrinated you know it's like maybe i mean it's like they lined him up to drink the kool-aid you know what i'm saying i mean i don't think there's anything that he could do to stop himself from being indoctrinated he was born in the line right Right. but i mean we see him progress throughout the movie to realize that hey maybe this stuff isn't right and then by the end of the movie like he realizes that ultimately yeah it's not and he uh tells hitler to f off and kicks him out a window which, Tristan, I know that that scene hits you a whole lot differently than it hit the rest of us. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, we we see this build up throughout the whole movie. <clears throat> Hitler is this character that, um, or imaginary Hitler. The only Hitler we see in the movie is imaginary. <laughs> um, and we see him built up around jokes throughout the whole, like, you know, it's always going back to, like, you know jojo's room or wherever he's at alone usually he's alone and then he sees an imaginary friend there and they talk or whatever and it's always a joke and at the end at the very end when he he has experienced all these horrible things and he's in his room and he is you know deciding that he's done with this he's going to leave his room and then hitler his imaginary friend steps in the room and starts accusing him and he's very upset with Jojo and uh, offers like a Nazi sleeve to him with a swastika on it um, and he throws it down. And this whole time, imaginary Hitler is screaming at him. And it's funny because we have seen this character be funny the entire movie, but now he's actually, he's angry. He's angry at Jojo when he's only ever been sympathetic with jojo or at least been someone to bounce off ideas with now he's angry it has manifested itself into something different from jojo it is now not a part of jojo which is why he exits he exits in a funny way but when i saw that it didn't make me laugh it was very intense and it was intense because jojo made a decision literally kicking this figment of his imagination out of his brain and like i mean it's as it's as symbolic as it is like what we saw physically happen like on in the movie as it is in his brain it's like the same thing that's the move he's making and to me it wasn't funny it was so powerful i think i think kind of going off of what you're saying um because that last moment that we do see imaginary Hitler, it is it is noteworthy for the fact that a lot of things are different this time than they have been before whenever we see Hitler. For one thing, his outfit has changed. Because the entirety of this movie... Quick Hitler, note on the outfit. The outfit actually changes every time uh, to show his kind of progression through uh, the war. 
but it, like specifically with um there at the end like it's in rags it's gray i thought it was like this yellow greenish throughout the whole movie like it's a very similar uh uniform but it does like change throughout to show kind of like progression the, the biggest shift happens right. at the end right oh uh, and what I read that as is that because for the majority of the movie, the uniform that imaginary Hitler wears is very similar to the uniform that uh, that the Hitler youth wear that Jojo wears for the majority of this film. So I think if you I think you can look at it as like in those moments when Jojo is seeing Hitler, it's just like he's not a person. He's not personified. He is an idea. He is a he is a a goal, a, a borderline a god. Right. Like that's what it is. And I think that's why they put so much emphasis on when Yorkie tells Jojo that Hitler's dead and then you see the shift because when they shift him in the costume He's wearing like straight up like military regalia in the final scene, and he's got the bullet wound. And for me, that signifies that okay, Hitler to Jojo is no longer this idea, is no longer this, is no longer this god. He's just a man, and a bullet took him out. And I think that was, I think that's why that final scene is so important because jojo essentially was saying you're no more important than like your mark on the world is done after you're gone sadly it's not but um but yeah i mean i think i think that's where for me i think that's where the intensity or the importance of that scene lies Mm -hmm. i mean i <clears throat> like that scene I think is um not necessarily in the same way but is something that honestly everybody kind of goes through like you know you're brought up with a whatever set of beliefs and then you uh like growing up with your family and then you grow or go out from your family you're introduced to new ideas new beliefs and you continue to grow and evolve as a person which is something that we see from Jojo throughout this movie um, like, I know that that has been true for myself. Like, um, when I got to college, like I was very set in my ways and I can tell you now, I'm not the same person I was when I started college. I have been exposed to so much more of the world and I have, I like to think that I'm a better person than I was, that I'm much more caring, much more empathetic. And like, I think that's something we should all strive for. Like, uh, I said this before the podcast. I want to say it again. You are never going to be a perfect person. Like you're never going to be as good as you can be. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Like you should always be working to get better. And Jojo at the end of the movie looks at his reflection and says, "Today, just do what you can." Yeah, I love that. And then also the uh, quote from Rilke that they post at the end. Uh, I forget exactly what it was. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Mm. Love that. I'm glad you had that pulled up. Uh, well, I wasn't. I wanted to talk about it. That struck me like a lightning bolt. Um, and I mean, another thing, uh, f- just a fun thing at the end when they were dancing, 
there's a there's another movie I saw recently, um, called uh, oh, what is it? Uh, is it Perks of Being a Wallflower? It sure is. <laughs> and they have the song, you know, "Heroes" by David Bowie, and. I didn't expect to hear that song, but I, I heard it. And if you've seen that movie, you know what the song means. It's a it's a big moment, and um, and it's like like I I felt a very similar way when I heard that song again. I'm like, man, Heroes by David Bowie. Like, what are we doing here? I guess this is gonna be, I guess this is the sad song of of the decade <laughs> that we're gonna use on on movies. I know that we didn't put it on the list, but I think this movie uses music really well to its advantage. Um, say the score is done by Michael Gacchino, who is absolutely amazing. Um, but outside of the score itself, I think it, like just the music that it uses, because um, it's not your typical soundtrack. Like we've got, you know, Heroes by David Bowie. We've also got I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles, but in German in at German, the beginning yeah. of the film. Which is really cool. That was a fun time. Yeah. All right. Well, you boys ready to score this sucker? I am. All right. Well, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, uh, we have a pretty simple scale. It's 1 to 100. Uh, you can kind of think of it like a American grade scale, A, B, C, D, F. Uh, we think of it like that sometimes. Sometimes we don't. We just kind of wing it. But 100 means it's a perfect movie, and a 1 means that it is a steaming pile of turds. And I have a general idea which way we're going to lean on this one. Yeah. So who wants to go first? I want to go first because right, I, just because I know for a fact that it won't be the highest number. I'm gonna. I I'm riding a high from this movie, and it, it was. Uh, I knew I needed to give it an A. I just was deciding on a high or a low A. So I'm gonna watch this movie again, and I, honestly, I can't wait. And uh, I'll probably have to change this by a notch or two. But for today, I'm gonna say 92. Very good movie. I feel pretty safe in saying that's going to be the lowest score. Which is weird. I very much, let me make it clear, I very much enjoyed this movie, and like I said, I'm riding a high from it. I liked almost everything about this movie. It was so good. All right, right, you know what? 93. 93. All right. Cool. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I absolutely love this movie. I've now seen it two and a half times, uh, because I came in about halfway while uh, Tristan and Elijah were watching it. This movie makes me feel so many different things. Um, it hits every single, every single emotion. Um, and honestly, I don't get tired of watching this. Like, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said I laughed, I cried. Like, it hits everything. Um, so I'm going to give this a 97. It's crazy you say that because. Is that what you're giving it to? It is. I am giving it a 97. I will say that I rank my movies. I think slightly different than the rest of the folks on setting the skein and that I, I don't look at like what movie is the best movie. I look at the flaws of a movie, what makes a movie perfect. And this movie by far is the closest thing to perfect that we've had on this show. Um, I will also say that for the first time in, I believe because I started coming up with a list of top 10 movies like a solid eight years ago. And for the first time in eight years, there is no longer a Star Wars movie so happy. on my list. Because as for right now, Jojo Rabbit, which my phone corrected to Joko Rabbit, um, 
sits at number five on my favorite movies of all time. That might change, but as for right now, I feel very solid in saying that. And honestly, that score is liable to go up. I'm so happy that we watched this and that y'all loved it so much. Tristan, bring us home. Where are you giving this? Well, folks, I, uh, you know how I love these types of movies. They make me feel a lot. They remind me how human I am. That being said, uh, I don't know quite where it lands on my list right now. I've got a pretty good idea. Um, but my score is going to match Elijah's. It's a 93. And uh, I need to rewatch it again. But it was top, top notch. Um, and like Doug, this is probably going to break my top 10 list. Mm, I'm so happy. Man, I don't know how Mike fe- felt when uh, he introduced us to Swiss Army Man. Or introduced me to Clue. Yeah. Or when he introduced us to It's Such a Beautiful Day. Oh, my God. Still need to rewatch that. Oh, what a movie. Anyway, uh, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, uh, that gives us a final score of a 95. This movie is simply amazing. It's by far the highest movie, the highest rated movie that we've done thus far. Absolutely. And well deserved. Yeah. All right. You ready for me to pitch the next week? Yes. All right. So we're going to go from Doug's current fifth favorite movie to Doug's 14th favorite movie. Uh, Boys, allow me to introduce you to the movie that introduced me to the idea of existential dread. Uh, Next week, we are watching Matchstick Men, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell. That sounds like a good time. It does. It's amazing. I love this movie so much. One whole amazing. Uh, Anyway, that's going to be a good time. Be sure to check us out next week. But until then, be sure to keep up with all of us on social media at Vider Media. You can also check us out, vidermedia.com. We've got some merch. We've got a Patreon. Uh, So go check that stuff out. Um, Also, wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, Tea with Doug to you on Mondays. But yeah, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Skein. Y'all have a great week.